Warning, the following podcast episode does include discussion of graphic domestic abuse and child abuse. Dalton, you're sick again. What's going yeah. on, man? The uh, plague bringer. I think maybe like an upper respiratory infection, like slash ear infection type deal. I don't know. I don't go to the doctor. Did they, but, did uh, they test you at work again? Make sure you didn't have double COVID? Fuck no, they didn't test me. I don't give a shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, just, they just threw away your vape. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I was so fucking hot about that. <laughs> Okay, so here's the way it goes. Yesterday was an inventory day, right? That means all the machines are down for everyone to count what we got in the warehouse, right? Make sure everything's accounted for. So the worker, while the supervisors do that, the workers are expected to clean up, right? Just, you know, if you're if you're leaning, you can be cleaning. Yeah, right? time to lean, time to clean. Right, right, right. So I got to work and my vape was dead, right? So I'm like, I'll just charge it on the computer and I'll hide it behind like a computer tower. Nobody see it. I've done it a million times, right? So I go to charge it and I go off, you know, grab a broom, start cleaning up and stuff. And it comes time for my break and I go back to get it before I go outside and it's missing. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, this is fucking weird. So I'm like going around to people I trust and asking them like, Hey, have you seen my fucking, have you seen my vape anywhere? And they're like, no, 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 I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And I got finally got to one person and they were like, go talk to, I saw her cleaning behind that computer. And I was like, Oh no, man. For the audience is a, she's probably in her fifties, an old Brazilian woman who speaks very broken English. Right. And I go up to her. I'm like, she has this very high pitched voice. It's adorable. I go, Hey, have you seen like a white little vape thing? She goes, Oh, that and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she like does this little hand motion to her face. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That she's like, Oh, I, I gave to, I gave to, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, Oh no. And for also for our audience is the quality manager. And keep in mind, I work at a factory that makes plastic bottles. Right. And they're plastic jars for like peanut butter. And even though we don't manufacture any peanut butter, we have to abide by food safety guidelines. And that includes no tobacco or no e-cigarette products on in the facility, right? And keep in mind, this is a fireable offense. So I wait until like around four o'clock until a manager that I trust is in there. And I go, hey, manager, uh, keeping names out of this for you know purposes. Hey, manager. It's too bad I was about to give him a shout out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, manager, have you heard about this? Blah, blah, blah. She goes, and he goes, yeah. I sent out an email earlier to all the supervisors telling them about it. Like, oh, fuck. And he go, and I was like, can you go in there and fucking see if you can get it back? And he goes, why don't you just go and ask her yourself? I was like, oh, okay. So I go to, I'm like, uh, I think I lost something earlier today. She goes, yeah, you did. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay do you think i can like have it back and she goes well i threw it away i'm like what do you mean you threw it away and keep in mind this is like a hundred dollar device right i'm like what do you mean you threw it away 
And she goes, well, I didn't know what it was. So I just assumed that it was either for drugs or tobacco. So I just threw it away. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I go back to manager and I ask him, I was like, you fucking can you figure out where she threw it away at? And she go, he goes, why don't you just ask her where you, she threw it away at? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I go back and this, uh, this time I'm feeling like a fucking junkie, right? I feel like a fiend. I'm about to ask this lady if I can dig through the trash and get my vape back, right? And I'm like, hey, uh, where the fuck, like, where'd you, uh, where'd you throw it away at? And she goes, oh, I took it outside to the dumpster. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I go and I really question my life decisions at this time. And uh, the dumpster is not full, by the way. I just hop on in, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm just looking around this dumpster. So wait, 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 wait. Okay, let me just put this in context, right? Because this whole thing starts because there's a food safety standard. Meanwhile, you're on the clock in the middle of the day and you decide to jump in the middle of a dumpster, which seems to me like it could also be a food safety issue. <laughs> right? My dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> but uh, anyway... <laughs> I'm looking through the rummaging through this dumpster and I'm like, fuck, I can't see it anywhere. I can't find it. Right. So I just have to go like buy another one, I guess. And in the middle of me going to, I go clock out and take my 30 minute break. And I go to, uh, I go to the vape store to buy another one. Meanwhile, I'm FaceTiming Charlie and Austin. Like, oh, this fucking thing happened. And I can't believe this. And I wasn't, he couldn't even wait till today. This happened yesterday. He couldn't even wait till we recorded today. He was so hot that he had a three way FaceTime us while he's driving to the vape store. Yes, while driving, no seatbelt, no nothing, just fucking (laughs) full of piss and vinegar driving to the vape store. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we call this whole incident uh, Board Vape Dumpster Club? uh oh yeah we should make an <laughs> nft of me like rummaging through the dumpster for <laughs> charlie got it right away it definitely took a beat before Dolph was like what <laughs> oh we're recording earlier than usual it's gonna take me a minute <laughs> yeah this is, this is definitely the earliest recording i know it's not it's a second because we we did it really early with uh orange for yeah. alistair crowley yeah yeah and to be honest i prefer these early sessions I kind of do too. Charlie, yeah, I don't yeah. know what you think. I was in the middle of cleaning my room, so it's whatever. <laughs> Jordan Peterson would be proud. <laughs> he just says, all, all you have to do is clean your room, young men. In my um, room, I got like a new dresser and then I'm, I bought a new little 24 inch TV so I can have a Roku in my room instead of my uh, iPad that I've been using for the past like three years. Nice. That likes to like disconnect from the internet when I'm trying to like fall asleep to something. Nice, nice. Look at you upgrading. Yeah, you can't do it on your computer screen. Don't you have two computer screens? I, I mean, well, these are in my other room. So okay, this is my your recording studio. I forgot my recording studio slash used to be my cat's room that when she was alive. So you know, she had her own room. Way to bring the bombers to the podcast, Charlie. God damn. damn. I'm sorry. Don't don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to get a lot darker. Don't even worry about that. Uh, You guys, you think you're bummed out now? Just wait. This one's going to be rough, which is why I think next week we're going to call an audible and do something a lot more fun because I I don't know if I can do another episode like this. (laughs) Nothing like Austin to just start the day with a bummer. (laughs) <laughs> well you were like let's let's record at one o'clock i was like oh man i gotta read this fucking script and get it down again <laughs> like rereading this stuff <laughs> well it's a saturday that just i don't know I, no, it's fine. yeah just knock it out you know i don't I'm have fu- to work i don't work today so might as well knock it out early yeah 
no, I, I get it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, not much going on here other than it started snowing. I think it's already stopped. So that was fun. Well, it lasted all 15 minutes of it. Um, but yeah, Dalton, what's the name of the show? Who are we? We're a few cast my grift. We are a podcast about con men, charlatans, and grifters. Uh, the, the intro changes every week. Have you noticed that? Uh, my name is Dalton, and uh, I'm joined by the man laughing at me. His name is Austin, and producer Charlie. Say hi, Charlie. Hi. There we are. This is uh, there, one of us works off of a script. The other one doesn't, and I, I think it, is, it should be pretty obvious which one. It is. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you know, just go off the cuff. You know, genuine. I bring a layer of genuineness we'll to the podcast. See, well, Charlie's gonna have to Genuous. like edit out that pause when i said hey what's the name of the, the podcast and you just sat there and looked at well, me <laughs> like, like i hear your mom in the face <laughs> i've had a lot of concussions and i've done a lot of drugs my brain is like 95 percent mashed potatoes at this point you gotta bear with me a little <laughs> the bit the other five percent is georgia public schools <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> oh man so i guess we'll just get into it unless there's anything else you want to want to talk about before we kick this thing off let's get to the hate <laughs> so we're gonna talk about an angry greedy selfish abusive man and his twisted vision of the world today we're gonna twisted talk about vision of the lord well, that too <laughs> today we're gonna talk about the westboro baptist church uh specifically the founder and patriarch of the westboro baptist church fred motherfucking phelps you're goddamn right we're talking about grifty priests back to the roots baby back to square one back to where we need to be i'm really excited (laughs) and and it's funny because i somebody suggested this and i thought all right well these are a bunch of just outrageous shitheads but i don't think that they're a grift until i started looking into it and i was like yeah they are you know they they really really are um especially fred though i think he's kind of the as the the ringleader of this whole thing he just he's sort of his whole existence is based on on grifting um so i'm going to focus primarily on him and then you know towards the end we'll get to the church itself um so he was born fred walton phelps in meridian mississippi whoa 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 hold up hold up ask a question what's that Charlie, what do you know about the West Side bur- 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 the West Side Baptist Church? West Side. Charlie, what do you know about Westboro Baptist Church? That they hate soldiers and gay people, and they like to protest a lot. Don't forget the Jews. It always oh, comes sure. back they, to the Jews. No, and the Catholics. Everyone. You could throw them in there too. Everyone, basically. Exactly. Really <laughs> just everyone. Oh, and they like to soup, though. Uh, just so you know, if you try to sue us, none of us have any money. So good luck fucking getting anything out of us. <laughs> well, so. also, my sources are pretty tight on this one. So I don't, okay. I feel, I feel pretty good about what we. I file my taxes next month. So if you want to sue me, ain't got shit. So- Dalton, you want action you, figures? You can have some action figures. That's, about, that's what my money is invested in right now. Yeah, but X Men are gay and they're they're mine, so they're not going to want any of that. <laughs> God uh, hates X Men. God hates X Men. <laughs> God hates mutants. Yeah, that was like God the hates, whole thing. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Dalton, what do you know about Westboro Baptist Church? Uh, I've actually had a firsthand encounter with the Westboro Baptist Church when I was living in Omaha, Nebraska. I went to a work tour that was in Kansas City, Missouri. Right. And there's this band, I hate them, they're the worst. They're called Attila. And they're, think, 
like trap rap but metal right so sound good at all (laughs) i mean it's it's okay it's a niche of a niche but you know it is what it is so before Warped Tour, Attila called out the Westboro Baptist Church basically about like all their hateful shit. And they even made a shirt that said, fuck the Westboro Baptist Church. They didn't like that too much. So whenever Warped Tour came through Kansas City, they were there to protest. And they're just, they were there with their God hates F word signs. And, you know, it just, it was a nuisance. And it was weird, weird. And oh, I didn't like it. But what? the thing that was cool about it it's just like the fearlessness of like the attendees of Warped Tour, right? Because you have like girls go over there and like kissing in front of them, you know, trying to piss them off. And then you have guys going over there and kissing in front of them, trying to piss them off. And it's just it's real cool to see like, I don't want to say like the, the scene community coming together and like, you know, just throwing a big fuck you to them. Yeah, they're pretty easy to hate too as a group. How long ago was that? What year was that? Fuck, man. Uh, I want to say like five years no no me and vic were married five years ago probably seven seven or eight years ago okay so there was a chance that it sounds like fred phelps was already dead by then because he died in 2014 okay so then this is just the the what remains of the church now and it makes sense because you were in um you were in missouri you were in kansas city and they're based out of topeka kansas so it's not a very far ride for them to go and protest and that seems to be that seems to be a theme of their newer stuff and i i kind of feel like everybody at this point who doesn't have their head in in the ground knows who the church is and knows about the picketing so this and i'll just come up front with it is not we're not going to really talk a ton about the picketing we're going to talk about all the other stuff that i thought was actually more interesting and that people don't really you know, you don't hear about as often. So this is like everything that kind of leads up to the picketing. Gotcha. Oh, I also know anonymous, uh, like docs them and like did all kinds of great shit, like taking down their website, making their, uh, fax machines run until all the ink was out, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love them. Yeah. Love we'll talk them. about that for sure. They're part of the story towards the end. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's start at the beginning. The man was born. Fred Walton Phelps. Uh, he was from Meridian, Mississippi. So we're back in Mississippi, the DiBiase stomping ground. Um, it, on Fuck th- Mississippi. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Mississippi. I got nothing for that state. I, I don't think I even have family there anymore. So just <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, on, but at least it's not Florida this time, Dalton. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, November 13, 1929. So he is a depression baby. Um, his dad, there's not a lot about his childhood that's all that significant his mom died when he was really young and he was raised by an aunt but his dad worked as a bull for southern railroad you all know what that term is you ever heard of that Mm -mm. so uh the bulls were private detectives that were hired by the railroads this is like something kind of that goes back to the pinkerton agency i was gonna say like a pinkerton yeah Yeah. okay i got you so they were the private these private police officers and basically what they did especially at this time during the depression is they went and they beat the shit out of hobos that were they were hitching rides on the trains you know sounds like some hell on wheels type shit yeah nobody's seen that show Mm -hmm. no but i know what it's about okay i've watched it all um yeah they basically got on there and the problem was is that you had all these people that suddenly lost their jobs right and there wasn't any work where they where they were so they had to travel to go find work and those were those were considered hobos and so they would jump on these trains the bulls or the secure private detectives whatever you want to call them would catch them beat the shit out of them sometimes they were killed there was a lot of hobos killed um like hundreds and hundreds every year by these this private security force 
I just want to know how they get all their belongings and that little bandana on a stick. <laughs> um, so he actually, oh, Charlie, remember- it's the bare necessities. <laughs> oh God, we just turned into a Disney adult podcast. <laughs> when I think of hobos, I think of Christopher Lloyd's hobo from the Dennis the Menace movie. He used to scare the shit out of me. You guys remember that? <laughs> I don't now that you, I oh, really man. don't. I've seen that movie though. I have it. It's fucking scary. Now, I was to say that, that, that I, I always thought like scary, weird old men was the guy from Home Alone, the next door oh, neighbor. Oh, yeah. He ended up being a sweetheart. But he ended up being shovel. a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so uh, according to Fred himself, he had said that his father um, oft times came home with blood all over him. So I think that's don't a worry, thing. kids. It's not my blood. That's <laughs> like that's like coming home to the Leatherface every every night. Hobo blood. <laughs> this is the you know, blood of a tramp. Um, <laughs> it's not so, really that funny, but it's sort of funny. <laughs> so it, I, I feel like that's slightly traumatic. Um, but uh, the other thing that was really big about uh fred's dad was he had a really hot temper um according to jack webb who's 81 who knew uh the elder phelps um he said that if he got mad talking about fred's dad he was mad all over he was ready to fight real quick he was mad 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 that doesn't sound any familiar at all (laughs) (laughs) and in this way this is the only way that dalton and and fred phelps are similar (laughs) at all like anything (laughs) they're quick to fight um fred actually seemed to inherit all of his father's nastiest traits um so he was as a kid he was all set on going to west point and joining the military uh, until after his high school graduation, he and a friend attended a local Methodist revival and Phelps received the call. I feel like we hear this about every single preacher we've ever covered on this show. Receive the touch of the Lord. <laughs> so he got uh, it, when he was 17, he was ordained as a Baptist minister. So he started. I mean, this is like a baby preacher. Um, oh, wow. And the rest of that summer, he spent trying to convert Mormons to Christianity. This dude didn't have a fucking chance. This dude dude did not have a chance. And and he didn't do well at that. (laughs) Um, So he enrolled instead. He decided to forget West Point. He didn't want to go in the army. He wanted to go in the ministry. He enrolled instead at Bob Jones University. Any of y'all have heard of Bob Jones? No. All right. So sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's a really famous Bible college in um, South Carolina. Fred only lasted about a year and he dropped out because he said everybody at the school was racist and he, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> He's oh, actually South Carolina. Right. What do you expect? Yeah. Uh, so Bob Jones university didn't admit black students until 1971. God damn. And even then they only admitted black students if they were married. Why, why, why is that a prerequisite? Because I don't know. They didn't want single. They didn't want single black people enrolling into this Christian college. So they said in 1975, they began admitting non-married black students, but continued to deny admission to any students in interracial marriages. What? That's 1975. That is six years before I was born. They were still saying you can't be you can't be in an interracial marriage and be admitted to this college. I mean, I, I see it. I mean, down here, like fucking as far back when i was in high school you still had people discriminating against that 
So it's fucking yeah, shit it's is bad, wild. Yeah, that shit is wild. So they that school just to kind of go on a little bit of a of a, a veer off the path for Bob Jones. Um, they lost their tax exempt status in 1975, and they it wasn't until the year 2000 that they began to admit students in interracial relationships. 2000. Yeah, the year 2000. Good God. This is a racist ass school. Uh, it took them until 2017 to get their tax exempt status back. Well, at that point, why would a black or brown person want to want, want to enroll? Like you well, know this history. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's you the want point, to go there, right? If you, you mean you, you obviously don't feel welcome at the school, so you more black students won't apply, right? So that's that's in its own nature. That's it's working. Yeah, I guess to do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, he so after after he left Bob Jones back to Fred Phelps, he went floated around a couple other Christian colleges, never lasting very long. Um, and then he eventually wound up in California at this place called John Muir College in Pasadena. And he was a bit of a radical. He went on this ter- this tear while he was there as a student about uh, necking and petting. <laughs> Just to give you terms of the time. <laughs> he, he said nothing said- about soaking though. Oh, God. (laughs) I had to teach. I had to smarten Austin up on what soaking was. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Ed. (laughs) Um, So they they talked about necking and petting. And he also said that profanity, uh, the the teachers were using profanity and telling filthy jokes. And he was not okay with that. Um, Time magazine caught wind of, of Phelps and his little mini crusade on the campus. And they wrote a story on him in the June 11th, 1951 edition. And so this legitimized what he was doing. So he's like running around going, see, I'm in time magazine. This is, I'm doing the Lord's work. It's really strange. Man of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's funny because many, many years, uh, later into his life uh john f kennedy jr you want to tie this shit into QAnon, um <laughs> who published the magazine called george magazine featured fred phelps as one of the like top 10 political movers and shakers oh wait when was this there this was after he was picketing this was oh in- no <laughs> yeah yeah he, he, he it was like a, a who's who of like controversial uh, political figures and Phelps was included and he was he took a lot of pride he said that he really liked JFK Jr. which is just fucking it's all weird and like, coming back 2024 baby <laughs> <laughs> he and his dad apparently right. um, <laughs> who according to Fred Phelps uh, had AIDS but we'll talk about that later too <laughs> This is going to be a wild one, guys. I'm telling you already. <laughs> so, so he um, he met his wife while he was in California. Her name is Margie Marie Sims. Um, they married about eight months after they met. And in the they just like immediately started having children. In the first 16 years of their marriage, they had 13 children. God damn, they were fucking. <laughs> yeah, man, they just went at it. <laughs> they just <laughs> popping them out. Um, so he hopped around he a bunch of something. Are sure popping that pussy? All right. Oh God. <laughs> you just pop Charlie. <laughs> he almost lost his headphones. Fred said, "Pop that pussy for." No, can't say that. <laughs> uh, I thought I was going to be the reason this was going to run long. I was totally so worried. <laughs> uh, so he. 
he hopped around, not popped around. He hopped around a bunch of churches, which is pretty common, like in these evangelical circles. Like they just they just go church to church to church until they find a, a full time job. He uh, eventually was um, asked to take a job in Topeka, Kansas, at Eastside Baptist Church as an associate pastor, and this is in 1954. So it's so, West Side. Not West Side, it's East Side. That's where he started. He went east to west. Um, he and his family arrived in Topeka on May 4th, 1954. And that date is really significant because it is the day that the Supreme Court handed down the verdict in Brown versus Board of Education, which ended uh, discrimination legally. Um, and right. it was, it, Fred saw this as a sign because it was actually most, I don't know how many people know this. I didn't actually even know this. I feel really stupid for not knowing it is that it's Brown versus the board of education of Topeka. So he's actually now moving to the city of Topeka on the day that this, this judgment came down. And so he thinks that he's a, you know, like he's a, he's an anti-racist and he's like, this is a sign from God that I'm supposed right. to be here in Topeka. What, well, God give me a sign. It's like right there. It's like, yeah. Oh, we, there it is. Here. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, a, he's a staunch anti-racist. And a year later he is tasked at like, after he's in Topeka, he's tasked by the main pastor of East side, whose name is Leland Calvin. I really like that name. Leland is a great first name that we just don't hear anymore. Um, so he's tasked by Leland Calvin with setting up an affiliate church across town called Westboro Baptist church. Now, not everybody that was in the congregation was really thrilled by this. He was just as a, an associate pastor, he was already a very polarizing character. Shaking and moving, trying to get shit done. Uh, you're going to regret saying that right now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so this is from the, um, this is from the book. Um, hang on. Why did I just forget what the name was? Uh, Addicted to Hate, um, which was actually. It sounds um, like a hardcore band. It, so this guy, this guy wrote the story and then his newspaper refused to publish it because they were afraid that they were going to get sued by Phelps. And then the author got was sued the publisher. And in order to get the book out, he included every page of the book as evidence. So now it's part of the case file. So you God literally damn. have to read, you have to read the case file in order to read the book and it's all there. It's widely available online and it's really, uh, it's a fucking read. Um, anyway, <laughs> From that book, it says, um, one from that time recalls Fred, Marge, two-year-old Fred Jr., and 10-month-old Mark were in the pews one Sunday with the rest of the congregation, listening to Calvin preach. Mark began squirming suddenly. To the appalled amazement of his fellow worshipers nearby, the junior pastor repeatedly slapped the infant across the face with an open palm and back in, snapping Mark's tiny head to and fro. That's disgusting. Yep. After... Uh. Maybe we should put a content warning before that, but um, I think we should. Afterwards, several of the men in the congregation confronted Fred and told him never to do that again. Mark Phelps laughs to hear the story relayed and in quotes, this is my mom's my mom once told me proudly as if she'd affected a big change in his behavior that my father had beaten my older brother when he was only five months old. She said she'd argued with him about it and that he'd agreed to hold off beating the kids until they were at least a year old. Um, and then another quote, Phelps was wrapped pretty tight. Even back then, Ricard recalls an old member of Eastside. He was very severe with his children and a lot of people didn't care for him, but we all thought he was a man of God. Oh man, that, that makes me want to cry. I hate that. I hate that so much. Ugh, yeah. crawl. So he was not the most well-liked person in that church, but they, 
nevertheless, they gave him this new place to open up because they thought, hey, he's he's good on the gospel. He's a good he's a good preacher. He beats the fuck out of his children. But, hey, he's a man of God. Yep. Yeah, that's that's going to get worse. Um, nevertheless, 50 congregants from Eastside volunteered to attend Westboro to kind of get the new church off of its feet. Right. Because he didn't have any he didn't have anybody. So they're like, hey, these 50 will come over and they'll attend church until you start getting more people coming and you have to grow your congregation, man, uh, you know, organically. Um, but almost immediately there was a falling out between Phelps and Calvin. I mean, just like right away, the two started, started going at it. Um, and this is another quote. It said, I don't know if there were ever a man that was more strict than Leland Calvin. Really. It was the anger in Fred, not doctrine that caused him to act the way he did. When a man in Fred's new congregation came to him for marital counseling, the pastor recommended a good beating for the wife. The man followed his spiritual guides advice. Jesus Christ. You know what she needs? She's an ass woman. <laughs> well, he puts it a different way, which he thinks is very clever. Um, so the man, the, the guy who beat his wife went to jail. He called Pastor Phelps up to ask for bail money. Phelps obliged. But uh, seeing one of his followers in jail for doing something that he said to do, it didn't deter him from spreading his message. The following Sunday, Phelps preached that a good left hook makes for a right fine wife. Good God. That's disgusting. Yep. Oh, I like that. Uh, this this is this is a quote from um, from Phelps during that that same um, that same preaching that same Sunday service. He says, "Brethren, they can lock us up, but we'll still we'll do what the Bible tells us to do. Either our wives are going to obey, or we're going to beat them." Man, what the fuck! This is what I told you. This was a dark episode. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh yeah, it does. Here it goes. This is my next line written in my script. But Phelps' behavior got even more extreme. <laughs> The last straw for anyone still a part of the congregation was when Phelps shot and killed his neighbor's German shepherd that wandered into his yard. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's yeah. just it. That's the, that's the sole reason. Like, all this dog's in my yard. Better kill it. Yep. He, he took a shotgun and then blew the dog away. I mean, it just there's no other way to put it. Um, it, it was it was horrifying. It made the papers like the last people from East side that were going to Westboro were like, we're fucking out of here. We can't deal with this maniac. Um, and he, his neighbor sued um, and Phelps rec, you know, represented himself in court. Which and, is never uh, a good idea. Yeah. But Phelps won. What? <laughs> so now he thinks he can get away with this shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, to save money and because there weren't any other members of the church, he moved his entire family into the church, right? So this church at this point consists of just the Phelps family who live and attend church in the same building, just to kind of okay. put a little, put a little on there. Um, yeah, you can, you know, so like when we talk about Westboro and sometimes I'll say family and sometimes I'll use church, but they're practically the same thing. Even to this day, the church consists of mostly Phelps family members. There's a few, okay. like two or three outside families that come and go kind of o over time. But for the most part, it's all about the Phelpses. So it's not like this big group. Say no. like, no, is it like under a hundred? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Without a doubt. Cause it's, it's like his kids and then they all get married and have kids. And so that's how it, like you build up the numbers and you start to see children, but it's very base. It's just this like immediate Phelps family. So how do they get all this like rampant media attention then if it's not it's like just, a big number of people? Cause they're outrageous. They're extreme, you know? And that just like that kind of stuff creates headlines that people read. Okay. That's fair enough. 
All right. So another content warning. We're about to go deeper into this shit, and then we're going to get out as quick as I can. But I think it's <laughs> it wor- it's worth noting how like what this house was like and what growing up here was. Um, Fred Phelps is a complete monster. All right. So this fucking guy is a monster, and I don't. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, he was an exceptionally brutal child abuser. And he just sort of reveled in all the terror that it caused in these kids. Um, they lived in constant fear. And it wasn't just the children. He beat the shit out of his wife, too. And uh, I've got a couple of anecdotes. Um, these are actually from the kids that escaped. So this is not like just being reported on. These are the kids that got out of the family eventually talk about this stuff. Um, Mark Phelps felt nauseated when he ever remembers that night. He was hit over 60 times and his brother, Nate, over 200 times with a Matic handle. You know what a Matic is? No clue. You ever seen like a pickaxe? Yeah. You take the, the, the axe part of it and that's a Matic. It's like yeah, a big man. fucking stick. It's thicker than like a baseball bat, basically. I just got um, hit with the switch when I was younger. Fuck that. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> that was bad enough when they'd say pick your switch. And you right, right, come yeah. back with the littlest one you could. Yeah, you come back with a little one, then they beat you with that. I'm like, all right, go get another one. <laughs> um, so uh Nate um went into shock. Mark didn't. Um, a, a boy who became compulsive counter to handle the stress, Mark counted every stroke. He and Nate's while his father screamed obscenities and his brother screamed in pain. Every 20 strokes, their mother wiped off their faces in the tub. Nate passed out anyway. That was Christmas Day. Christ. Yeah. That's awful. That it's is awful. terrible. Like, and mind you that like Phelps is a big dude. He is like, he's six foot three. He was a pretty promising amateur boxer early in his life. Like this is a big, strong man beating the shit out of these kids with a, a, a big stick. It's got to be some sort of like inferior inferiority complex, right? Like you feel like big and tough beating the shit out of these kids. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I, I just, I can't even, it's hard. It was hard for me to wrap my head around. Either that or it's just a fucking psychopath. <laughs> I, think he's a, I, I actually think it's that. I think he's a psychopath. Um, you know, for some of the younger children, he, what he would do is he would hold them up by the wrists and march them around the house, kneeing them in the stomach or sometimes the genitals as they screamed in pain um, this went on for just years and years and years this is there's a lot i mean he just he does he'd punch he'd kick you know kids when they were down um and this is again from i believe this is from mark he said and remember whenever my father was beating us or if we were tearing up or if he was tearing up a room the violence might only last a few minutes but he would keep up his tirade for hours on end um, I'm not exaggerating. My father would literally scream, not talk, scream of consciousness, nonstop insults at us for hours. His mouth was, for all the years I knew him, the most foul, vulgar, cursing mouth you've ever heard. There's nothing he wouldn't say, including cursing God openly. I watched him one day stand at the back of the church auditorium just outside the kitchen door and literally jump up and down and scream curses at the top of his lungs like a grown up two year old man. What a fucking what a monster! I know. And there's actually there was a stream that I was going to have you read on on here. Don't I changed my mind because it's just so it's just nothing but vulgarity, and it's just this example of like how he would just start screaming these horrible things. <sighs> yeah, I, I want to, I keep wanting to like iterate further, like my disgust. But I don't even have words. Like, <laughs> these are children. It just yeah, and I mean, like, can you imagine living under this guy's roof? Like he, I mean, he apparently slept most of the day. But there was that time every time that he woke up and they would say the kids would say, oh, no, daddy woke up and they would just try to stay out of his way. 
Like yeah. it's nonstop. So truly demonic stuff. And again, this all comes from the children who grew up, but now we're going to move on. So we're, we're done with that. Um, now he's got a home and a church complete with a flock that would never leave him. Right. Which I think is his ultimate goal, right? He's right. got this captive family slash church slash wants to trap know. them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this would also present Phelps with a problem. With no one attending his church, he had no income. And now we're going to start talking about some grifts. Okay. All right. I'm in. All right. Um, so for the next five years, Phelps went door to door as a salesman. He uh, first started selling vacuums. Later on, it was baby carriages. Ooh, did he do the cool little trick where like you put somebody in a garbage bag and you put the, like, the vacuum on it and it gets like airtight? I have never heard that. That sounds like a really easy way to kill somebody. No, like a vac. All right. I was younger. A vacuum salesman came to my grandma's house and like you know, he was showing off the vacuum and stuff. And then like he looked at me. It's like, you get in this bag. And I'm like, OK. And like my head was out of it. Like my whole body wasn't in it. And he hooked like there's a port on the bag and he'll hook the vacuum cleaner up to it. It'll just get like real airtight. And he was like, all right, try to get out of it. And I'll be like, <laughs> And I couldn't get out of it. And it was like one of the selling points. So I look how strong this vacuum cleaner is. This fucking eight year old <laughs> child can't even get out of it. But I re- yeah, I, re- was- I remember my parents buying a vacuum from a door to door salesman and it was great at first, but it, it did not last long. <laughs> I remember that pretty thoroughly. I think they were vacuum up um, uh, Christmas tree needles and it just jammed up and was never able to be fixed. <laughs> if I remember it right, which I probably don't. So, um, yeah, vacuums, then baby carriages, then insurance. But his sales career wasn't exactly on the up and up. Um, in one case, Fred Phelps versus Rostis Lewis, which resulted in a district court in 1961. Phelps was accused by Lewis and his wife of tricking them with lies. When they thought they were signing a note vouching for the good credit of another couple, they were actually buying a baby stroller for a baby they didn't have. <laughs> what a con man <laughs> for a baby they didn't even have so well, when this when this baby carriage like shows up they're like what the fuck what is this yeah that's when they sued <laughs> like, what the fuck um the lewises just so you know were an uneducated black couple keep that in mind uh, he knows that he knows the victims yeah gotcha. just keep that in mind whenever he starts talking about how he's a civil rights you know uh crusader <laughs> um he also, and, and again, this is all before he was a lawyer. He sued nearly every person he did business with during that period. Um, and in total, between 1958 and 1964, he filed 14 lawsuits against his employers, his customers, Leifer Calvin, the Baptist uh, minister who had given him the new church, the radio station KTOP, because Phelps had paid to broadcast for 15 minutes each Sunday morning, but then had his show terminated as it was too inflammatory. Imagine that. In 15 um, minutes, huh? <laughs> 15 minutes. And he got so much in 15 minutes that they were like, we can't put this lunatic on air. Um, <laughs> Stouffer Communications, former friends, and public officials. So he is very litigious very early on and is just going out there fighting his own fights in the court um, as as a citizen you know not as not as a lawyer i would like to just put a blanket allegedly all over this podcast <laughs> oh no those are imagine those are you can find the court records for those okay so, and those that's a safe report there um so now let's talk about fred phelps once he becomes a lawyer because this is a big part of his whole story okay 
1964, Phelps enrolled at law school at Washburn University. Um, his inspiration, in his own words, was, and this is quote, I was raised in Mississippi. I knew it was wrong the way those black people were treated. I instinctively knew it was against the word of God. Meanwhile, he's ripping off black people by selling them baby carriages for babies they don't have. But what well, I digress. Um, the Lord works in mysterious ways, Austin. Yeah, yeah. Well, so his he almost wasn't a lawyer, though, because after graduation, he um, ran into some trouble. He, in order to be admitted to the bar, you had to find a judge who was willing to swear to your good character. And at this point, because he would launched so many raving, you know, idiot lawsuits against people, pretty much every judge in Kansas knew who he was and was like, absolutely not. Like, we're not vouching for this fucking lunatic. You see, that's weird, because anytime I've been admitted to a bar, I just have to pay the cover fee. <laughs> Charlie is not impressed. <laughs> so, yeah, they'd all encountered him. They're like, we're absolutely not. This guy does not deserve to be a lawyer, so we're going to block it. Um, this enraged Phelps, and he started talking about something that he liked to talk about a bunch conspiracy theories yay he um spoke of a vast conspiracy against him as a man of faith and he named here we go uh the leading lights of the jim crow tobeka community the presidents of first national bank merchants national bank capital federal savings and loan and the kansas power and light company for holding him back I'm sensing a pattern with these banks that might come into play later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh fuck man. Why, why, why is everybody that we talk about? Like, I just, ugh. it always comes back to the Jew. <laughs> <sighs> like we almost need like a soundboard with a, a button. Every time somebody starts getting anti-Semitic on this fucking show. And just <laughs> here we go again. I'm working um, on one. Trust me. <laughs> uh, so he eventually scraped enough testimonies together from various community figures. And he allegedly also had a letter from Pre- president Harry S Truman. I'm not sure if that's real or not, but he was finally admitted to the bar. Um, I should also mention that on top of all of this, that's going on right now, while he's in law school, actually while he's in school, he, um, became addicted to amphetamines and barbiturates nice nice okay so okay. This, this psychopath is now a drug addict. And ta- <laughs> yeah yeah so Fucking he was crackhead using- <laughs> preacher. Well, yeah so he was using amphetamines to wake up every morning and barbiturates to go to bed that's that that was the cycle and he actually his wife would send one of the kids out to the pharmacist to go pick it up for him <laughs> and they called it they call it allergy meds could you imagine sending your pit and like, all right, kids, how to go get dad's amphetamines? Yeah. yeah, she she said she gave him uh, his wife, Margie, to give one of the kids. I think it was Mark $20 and sent him to the to pharmacy to get dad's allergy meds. $20 Every, for speed, man. That needs to come back. I know, right? <laughs> um, so the, the questionable legal behavior started almost right away. Um, he had been hired to represent a woman seeking a divorce in March of 1965. And before firing him, Wait, as her- doesn't doesn't he hate divorces? Isn't that one of his things? I don't think he cares. I mean, well, yes. So, but he also thinks that everybody that's not in his church is going to hell. So he's more than willing to take their money. Gotcha. Okay. Which is kind of, you know, a a bit of a hypocritical standpoint. Imagine that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Who who could have seen that coming? (laughs) Um, 
So before firing him as her attorney, uh, a month after she hired him, uh, the woman had paid the pastor a thousand dollars of the twenty five hundred dollar fee he was charging her. Twenty five hundred dollars. That's a yeah. lot of money. In 1965, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Phelps had filed an attor- attorney's lien uh, for the balance of the unpaid bill. But Shawnee County District Court Judge had ruled Phelps's services weren't worth more than the thousand dollars that were already paid by the woman and disavowed the fifteen hundred dollar lien. So he, the judge was like, you didn't, you don't deserve more than a thousand dollars. He didn't do right. Anything. Didn't do anything. He got fired. Um, so in, in as a result, Phelps filed a lawsuit against the woman in the same court seeking the $1,500. Wow. This dude just won't give it up. Mm-mm. So it, so then this went up to, this went all the way up to the Kansas Supreme court. And they said that the, this amounted to harassment of his client. It stated that Phelps's conduct in the case demonstrates a lack of professional self-restraint in matters of compensation. Assistant Attorney General Richard Seaton would later observe that Phelps had shown a pattern of conduct illustrating, in quotes, an uncontrollable appetite for money, especially the money of his client. <laughs> this is Mr. Krabs on speed, like money, 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 money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, this is, and this is a grift. I mean, this is an yeah. absolute grift. Yeah, You're ripping off your clients. Of course. Yeah. Um, so Phelps was unhappy with that decision. So he decided to run for the Kansas House seat in the 45th district. <laughs> oh, no. This is a lot, the last thing this dude needs is a political career. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he did not win. Thank goodness. He did not win that, that election. Um, but he keep, he kept these lawsuits going. So he uh, sued Kentucky fried chicken for $60,000 when uh, one of his female clients claimed <laughs> that she discovered a bug in her bread roll. I um, refuse to hear in a KFC slander, the nectar <laughs> of the gods, There's 11 <laughs> herbs and spices. Oh my God. So he also um, sued a restaurant owned by Harkies, and there must be a local chain, for $30,000 because that same woman claimed to have dined there and found a bone in her barbecue. This woman has to know him somehow. <laughs> like, listen, I'm going to slide you this 15000 it, <laughs> It's weird because they only list her as a woman, like there's no name there. Um, <laughs> a <his>, woman. <laughs> a woman. His client, this, this, this woman, a woman, admitted that she hadn't eaten either the bug or the bone and that she'd sought no medical treatment, yet she claimed personal damages totaling $10,000 and punitive damages of $80,000. No, just ask for another, like, fucking chicken or another roll. Like, fucking, like don't, don't, you don't but need you see that. what he's doing, right? Yeah. Fucking, he's trying to collect money in the, like, least inventive ways possible. Yeah. Yep. Um, KFC settled out of court for six hundred dollars. Oh, man. Harkies likewise for a thousand. Um, and in the third case, Fred sued uh, Denny's restaurant for one hundred and ten thousand um, dollars. He <laughs> claimed slander against his client when the man was accused of palming a dollar bill lying beside the register. The restaurant settled out of court for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Like they just already- want the like they and honestly like. They just don't want the trouble of having to go to court. That's oh, all this company. Yeah. 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 That's it. And he knows that. So but he's, these are such he's gonna... small amounts. Like you're, you're, this is not a lot of money that he's getting out of these settlements. It's like, no, but he knows that the claim is ridiculous. And if it goes to court, he's not going to win. So any amount of money they offer, he's like, yes, fuck yeah, take yes. it. Just feels like maybe negotiate a little bit and get a little bit more than, you know, $600 from KFC. I don't think it's worth it though, because if you like, you're like, no, I want more KFCs. I'm like, fuck you. Let's take it to court then, because you're not going to win. 
Yeah. Well, this was a pattern. Um, his son, Mark, uh, would later write that his father's strategy was to file frivolous lawsuits in the hopes that his targets would settle to avoid the expense of a trial. So it's exactly what you said. Right. Like this was this was a strategy. Um, in 1968, the drug use caught up with Phelps and he overdosed on barbiturates. He would not wake up one morning and they had to call an ambulance and he ended up spending a week in the hospital, presumably Ooh. in a coma. But I'm not 100 percent on that. Not a good look for the church, Fred. Nope. Well, it's okay. Who else is going to his church other than his terrified children? Right. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Like he can Daddy's do whatever he wants. beat me again if I don't go. Yeah. So he got home. Uh, he was drug free and he wanted to get back to life. And he actually did kick drugs for the rest of his life. Like this was a problem. It was done. He moved on. Now, this straight reminds edge, me of Dalton. Fe- straight edge Fred Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> so he, once he got home, he went on a water only fast and he dropped from 265 pounds to 135 pounds in 47 days. You can do it. No, man. It was horrible. Apparently, he Dude, was like... About three years ago, I went from... Keep in mind, I was horribly depressed, and <laughs> it was a bad time of my life. About three years ago, I went from 205 to 185 in three weeks. So <laughs> you can do it. This is double that time, and he went from 265 to 135. That's 130 pounds. Yeah, man. That, that's just don't oof. eat food and work out like a maniac. <laughs> he didn't work. He didn't work out. He just don't didn't eat food. Um, so he would eventually work his way back up to about 185 pounds and he took up running. And of course, like most of his activities, he included the children on his newfound passion. He drove them, the, all of the children aged from five to 16 to the high school track and told them to run or get a beating. Run, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they were they were forced. I'm not to laughing run. at. I'm, I'm la- Let me just clarify to the audience: I'm not laughing at these children being horribly abused. Laughing is my coping mechanism. <laughs> so when you hear me laugh, don't think I'm finding enjoyment in these children getting horribly abused. Yes, and they are horribly abused. Um, they were forced to run five miles a day, regardless of the weather, every day except Sunday, and eventually it was increased to ten miles a day. Fuck so that, dude. You're telling your five-year-old kid to go watch run, run 10 miles a day or get beat. That's how old my kid is. I know. There isn't a fucking chance. I'm... <laughs> well, that's what it they is. They don't understand. No, they don't. Um, he eventually would increase that even further, and they would run a marathon every Saturday, which is how long is a marathon? It's like 30-something miles. 26 miles. 26 miles. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so he's got these kids, he's running them. He also designs like diet programs for them. And if they have gained any weight, he'd beat the shit out of them. Uh, so they were like using X lax and throwing up before they got weighed every day. Um, that's, not, was, that's not healthy at all. No, it's not healthy at all. Dude. Um, so he also at this time came up with a surefire way to make some money, right? What would he do? You would put your children to work selling candy <sighs> for the church. <laughs> What is this uh, little chocolate bars that they sell at school? World's finest, world's finest chocolate. They didn't get a specific what it was, but they said that it was like 100 to 200 percent markup on the chocolate. And these kids would go door to door selling for the church. Um, and at first, the kids were paid a commission. So they had some motivation. Mm-hmm. And, but at a certain point, Phelps was like, fuck, no, give me all. I'm the just going to beat the piss out of you if you don't give me yeah. the money. Yep, right. pretty much. Uh, he also well, and then at that point, he also put up quotas. So if you didn't come home, if you hadn't sold and met your quota, you got a beating. 
that, that's fucking that's tough. Yep. Yep. Severe beatings. So the kids uh, hit the streets and at first everything was fine. But after a while, people caught wise to the scheme and it was harder and harder to sell the candy to people. Right. Because Topeka is right. only so big. These kids are on their on foot. They're going to all these crazy neighborhoods and people are like, we bought candy from you last week. We don't want any. But at the same time, they still have their quotas to meet or they're going to get their asses kicked. So they started stealing. Oh, man. So they would go into like stores as a team and there'd be a couple of lookouts and then someone would go in and they'd start stealing from women's purses and just grab the wallet, grab as much cash out of it as they can. And, you know, meanwhile, I, I will also say that the cops do catch wise to this and they come and talk to Phelps and he denies it all and then threatens to sue. And then it's just this whole ugly ordeal. And it gets to the point where most people just don't want anything to do with him because he's just he's he's absolutely psychotic. And they just they, yeah. they would like rather just leave him alone than to kind of poke the bear. And have right. all if that we don't trouble. let him do this thing, he's going to sue us. So right. like, what or choice he, do you have? Right. Or he's going to hand out pamphlets all over town about us or accuse us of doing things. And we'll talk about that in a little while. That's one of his tactics that he does. Um, yeah. So it, it's just like, they just kind of go, I mean, like everybody knows that he's beating his kids. The teachers are telling the police, you know, like, and the police just aren't really doing anything because it just seems like it's too much trouble. Which because is the justice horrible. system in America is broken and has been broken for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he made a shitload of money selling this candy between 1968 and 1975. So it's seven years. He, they brought in an estimated $317,000. That's, that's a lot of chocolate, man. That's a, that's a hell of a grift right there. God damn. A <laughs> but, child crime ring going and stealing money from his purses. Yeah, exactly. He's like, go out. Um, it's very much like a very problematic Charles Dickens character named Fagan who had a, all these orphans who could go around the city stealing for him. But it's <laughs> there's some issues with that character. Um, but I was going to say, so <laughs> this is very much of Fred Phelps's nature. He hadn't been paying his wholesalers for the candy he was selling and got sued by two of the companies. Uh, the church was ordered to repay um, $5,760 in one case, and it settled another for uh, $1,650. So he just, he just doesn't give a fuck. No. He's a, a very man of the Lord, right? This is a very right. Christ-like yeah. individual that we're talking about here. Um, he got into a couple other schemes around this time. The church began to solicit for piano donations, which is actually not an uncommon thing. Right. Uh, but then he would turn around and sell them <laughs> instead of using <laughs> them in the church. <laughs> uh, as his boys got a little older, he told them that they needed to start up a lawn care service. So that was also something that they did. They'd go around. And that actually is a little bit more sustainable because you need your lawn mowed every two weeks or a week. They're actually or providing a service now. Yeah. Right. Right. But he, they're also on the other end of that service is a horrible man ready to beat the shit out of his kids if they don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lawns. Yeah. Of course. Don't mow grass. You're going to get your ass whooped. Yep. Yep. Um, so in 1969, the state suspended him from practicing law for two years for seven counts of professional misconduct. Basically, Jeez. all the judges and lawyers are like, this guy is breaking laws. He's He has no ethics when it comes to being a lawyer. He's just, this is not what we stand for. And I will just say, it takes a lot for lawyers to turn on lawyers. Like, this is why disbarments are so 
uncommon because they just don't want to turn on each other. Like there's this sort right. of, it, it is a little bit like the police fraternity where it's like the lawyers kind of look out for each other, even though their, their whole profession is arguing against each other. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing where they just like, they don't want to self police. Um, so the fact that this guy gets well, as in much- courts, it's like, they're looking at it like a game, like a baseball game. I'm trying to beat the other team. Right. You know, but they also think there's there's some like weird self-righteousness about lawyers and they think that this profession is like the greatest thing that was ever delivered onto mankind and it's sort of this elevated and it's there's some it's a sacred thing i don't know it's a weird lawyer thing um so in 1969 they suspended him um after the suspension was uh handed down he decided to run for district attorney he's like well fuck you i'm gonna be the da um he was the sole Democrat on the ticket, so he breezed through the primaries. However, the DA was required to have practiced law in the county for five years prior to holding office. And since Phelps was suspended from practicing law, he was disqualified from running. Mm, there we go. Yep. Good job. Yep. Um, didn't seem to concern him because he was making a shitload of money on his children. And, you know, he just it was more than enough to support the family and the church on the backs of his tiny children, army of children. How old are the kids at this point? Um, well, when he started running, when he started it, they went anywhere from five to 16. And so this went on for about six years. So whenever the kids turn adults, they peace out, right? You would hope so. That's not always true. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I mean, this is a guy who since day one has treated his children as property. And now he's using to make money, right? And they don't know anything else. They're completely isolated. Even though they go to public schools, they, they're just, they're captive and they're, and he's brainwashing them. You know, he's like this physical and emotional abuse to just make these kids loyal to him and they'll do to whatever them, This says. is what love is. Yeah. 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 As that sick sucks. as that is. Um, so yeah. Um, so as soon as he was back to, as soon as he was able to practice law again, he was back to filing lawsuits. Um, he filed and this is the stupidest one, um, a $50 million class action lawsuit against Sears because there was a delay in shipping an air conditioner he put a, put on layaway. Boy, man, <laughs> how many times I've waited three weeks for my shit? Yep, yep. Uh, um, so the settlement was reached for $126, which was $60 less than they'd actually put down on layaway. So he put $180 on layaway and he got settled, got settled for $100. He didn't even get the full price of the air no. conditioner. <laughs> he, just wanted, he just wanted some money back. That's all. He's just mad. He's just mad all the time. He's pissed off at everybody and wants everybody to suffer. Well, he understands like this is a specific grift too, right? He understands that these big companies are not going to go through the trouble of taking this to court and they rather just deal out minimal amount of money to and avoid have- taking it to court. And they all have insurance that'll deal with this shit. So they don't know. Right. It's not even coming out of their bottom line. Exactly. And he understands that. Um, so in, in addition to all these outrageous lawsuits, which are just, they're just, there's a lot of them. Um, he garnered um, a reputation as one of the only lawyers in town willing to represent black clients. Um, I don't think he's always had his client's best interests at heart by doing no. that. I think he actually was kind of predatory in that way. Um, but he, you know, he, he represented him, which I guess is something, even though he understood that this was a market and there's money to be made. Yes. And there was publicity to be made. Yes. Because if he did these like big cases that he would get headlines and that would just be more attraction. Right. And I think that's, that's a big part of his overarching narrative is make money off of other people and make headlines. Um, his, his biggest case, this is the one that got a, the, the most national headlines. Uh, and, 
1973, and the case was Johnson versus the Topeka Board of Education. Um, the case was brought about on behalf of a 10-year-old girl whose name was Evelyn Renee Johnson. The suit claimed that Topeka School Board wasn't abiding by the Brown versus Board of Education ruling and that schools were still essentially segregated, white students getting a better education than black students. He's, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. No. But yeah, he, he, the way he goes about things is uh, mildly infuriating. It um, reminds me of uh, Jim Jones, the way he would do his social activism. He would get, you know, black folks on his side and then later on, you know, lead them astray. You know, that's yeah. just that's the point. You want to get this community of people to see you as like this good, like one of the good ones, you know, and yeah. then just turn around. And so they'll fall captive to whatever vile shit you're preaching. Well, and the wild thing is, we'll get back to that case. But the wild thing is, is like it, that's exactly what happened. And it, it, it actually happened to the point where he was awarded with all of these honors from like local black groups. Like right. I mean, they actually honored him because he was representing all of these cases, but not, I just don't think he's a very good faith actor. In no, this. no, not at all. Um, so he, it was this, this the, the case was initially filed as a class action suit for $200 million, um, which broke down to $20,000 for each of the 10,000 students that he alleged were hurt by this discrimination. The class action suit was dismissed, but he was allowed to move forward with just Johnson's case. Right. So, right. In the end, the Board of Education's insurance wound up settling the case while admitting to no wrongdoing to the tune of $19,500. This is right. a big so they, win for him. No, it, well, it's a it's a payday, but he doesn't win because they didn't admit wrongdoing. So the case has still being no award, merit. He's still being awarded nineteen thousand dollars there. So that's yeah, all he so, wants is the right. money. Yep. And so nineteen thousand dollars of the nineteen thousand five hundred dollars, twelve thousand four hundred of it went to Phelps. So, so for he him, took, that is a big win. It is. But in terms of him saying that he's this civil rights, you know fighter this is not the case that you could build your career off of right yeah the, but the, the facts don't matter he just wants no, the, I, right he I, just I, wants I'm, the possible exposure right and i just but the only reason i'm saying that is because this is something that his family reiterates over and over again is that he was this civil rights maverick and you know really just dissembled or a dis, dismantled jim crow in kansas and it's just not true yeah, it's not, not true right. you're right you're right I agree with you, Austin. I know, but that was but it was funny because it was one thing that you had said to me before we started recording. You're like, oh, yeah, and he did some civil rights stuff. And, you know, that was like kind of the good thing. It wasn't even a good thing. <laughs> like, I mean, it's good that he represented black right. clients, but that's where that's really where it stops, period. Yeah. That's all. That's all you got. Oh, I, I knew that before we went into it. Like I even said before we, before we recorded that it's very Jim Jones-esque in the way yeah. that he did it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the next year after this case went through, uh, Phelps would file a lawsuit that would end up getting him disbarred in Kansas. <laughs> this is from the Topeka Capital Journal. Uh, the beginning of the end of Fred Phelps's law career came on November 8th, 1977, when the state filed a complaint seeking to have him disbarred. The state's case against Phelps centered on a lawsuit filed late in 1974 by, uh, by Phelps against Caroline Brady, a court reporter in Shawnee County District Court. The lawsuit against Brady sought $2,000 in actual damages and $20,000 in punitive damages for alleged fraud and misrepresentation. Phelps alleged Brady had failed to have court transcripts ready when he wanted it. That's, that's, petty <laughs> fucking asshole that some court right. employee doesn't have the, your reports ready when you want them, so you sue them. Now, here's the twist. 
This is also from that same article. He sued over a clerical error. Yep. Yep. And he fucked up. Before filing the lawsuit, Phelps allegedly told Brady that, quote, he had wanted to sue her for a long time, according to court documents. During the suit, Phelps called Brady to the witness stand, had her declared a hostile witness and cross-examined her for three or four days. Jesus Christ. That's torture. So you fucked up because this is someone that all the judges work with. This is like right. a coworker for all these judges. And, and, yeah. he, and he, he like targeted her. He sued her for something for doing her job. And then he put her on the stand for days at a time just to put her through the ringer. I'm sure I'm sure the questions he asked were so just inappropriate. And that's what happened. Now, then they were like, OK, man, you're fucked. You turn, you know, you turned and you went on. You, you turned on one of us. And now we're going to get right. you. So he got disbarred in Kansas, and he was also suspended from practicing law in a federal court until 1982. So this is how the justice system internally should work. It doesn't always work like that. Um, But believing that law and the church were the only things that mattered in life, Phelps encouraged all of his children to follow in his footsteps and go to law school. And most of them did. Um, after all the kids who didn't leave the church were so thoroughly brainwashed at this point from like years of abuse, they do anything to make their dad happy. I mean, this makes sense. This tracks why that happened. Um, after if I make daddy happy, he doesn't beat me. That's all I know. Right. Right. And you're just constantly in terror, even if a grown person, um, after his suspension, like immediately after his suspension was lifted, he filed the first lawsuit against his alma mater, Washburn university, because they denied admission to one of his children. Jesus, dude. Just the pettiness of this guy's so irritating. Unfucking real. His claim, you just Dalton, you, you might want to get a little distance from the mic. His claim was that they should have been given minority status because of all of the civil rights work Phelps had been doing for black folks in Kansas. What the fuck? <laughs> so you just fucking you're black by fucking association? Is that what it is? Yeah. Ridiculous. It's just infuriating, this man. Suing for his black card. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> He's suing for his N-word pass. <laughs> uh, oh, I, 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 will, I will. It's not part of the script, but it, there have been documented cases of him throwing around the N-word very freely. So, again, civil rights trailblazer calls people when he doesn't think reporters are listening to their face, the N-word. So oh, let's, just, let's just put that there. Uh, anyway, I'm sure does love his activism. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, he, he, yeah, well, here, here well, you go. get to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all I've done for them. It's fucking oh, terrible, man. It's like, that's just like, you know, it's like a white savior complex, right? You think you're like, oh man, I've done all these good things for these black people. Why, why shouldn't, you know, why shouldn't I have this elevated status? It's like, I oh, can't man, imagine he actually thinks that though. I think he just doesn't give a fuck. I really do. I think he's a nihilistic piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, I do. That's what will get us sued, but whatever. Um, so he would go on and file two more suits against the school for two other children who weren't admitted. So he just didn't stop. Every right. time one of his kids couldn't get a law school, he sued him. Did it work? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Fuck no, doll. None of his shit works. None of it works, <laughs> works ever. <laughs> Fuck no, it didn't work. Come on. No. Dude's a fucking bigger failure than that other guy we covered. Oh, yeah. Ed Mazinski. Yeah. <laughs> Mazinski. This guy's a big fucking loser, too. Oh, he's a huge loser. That's it's important to realize that, too. You know, like when you receive these, be like, your dad was a fucking loser and a failure at everything he did. 
I mean, <laughs> how many times did you run for office already? Right. Since we've been talking. Right. You know, and, there, and there's more to come. Spoiler. Um, so in, in 1984, he sued Ronald Reagan for naming an ambassador to the Vatican, which is, in Phelps' opinion, was a violation of church and state. Well, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, the Vatican is a city state. You know, so it does have its own and legal like Italy recognizes it as its own entity. There there might be a case there, but why is that your battle? Like, why is that what you want to fight about? It's because you don't like Catholics. That's listen, why. listen, if anybody wants to see Reagan, I'm not gonna argue with him. Okay. That's Reagan's true. piece of shit. <laughs> awful. Awful, awful. I mean, none of the presidents are any good. But anyway, <laughs> anybody who wants that job, we should be really suspicious of. <laughs> anyway. Except for Bernie. We love Bernie. Yeah, but he, he was not successful. He didn't want it no. enough. Isn't that what no. they say in sports talk? <laughs> he didn't really like, want it. The team that wanted it the most got the win. It's like, no, the team that played better got the win. I fucking hate when people talk it like, wait, well, she just wanted it more. No, that, that doesn't mean anything. I no, want a million dollars. The DNC fucked Bernie at every fucking turn. Don't, get, don't let me get on this pedestal. Yeah, don't, don't do it now. Right, don't do right, it now. All right, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so in 1985, year after he tried to sue Ronald Reagan, um, there was a disciplinary complaint filed against Phelps um, along with five of his kids and one of his daughter-in-laws. Um, the complaint alleged that Phelps, the Phelps clan, because that's what they are, engaged in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, or misrepresentation, engaged in conduct that is prejudicial to the administration of justice and knowingly making false statements of fact or law. So he was shit talking. Right. He was shit talking. He was pulling all kinds of shenanigans. He was very well known to talk shit about judges, make up stories about him, call him pedophiles, all this crazy shit. And they just finally were like, enough is enough. We're, we're going to get you out of here. So I, I mentioned it earlier, but Fred Phelps had some wild ass conspiracy theories, which is why it doesn't surprise me that these judges are complaining about the shit he's been saying about them. Because one of them that he talked about a few times is this. He said that Truman Capote passed AIDS simultaneously to both Jackie Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe during a touch football game in the Rose Garden. <laughs> Just leave the silence. What in, kind of Truman. touch football we playing here? It said when a gang tackle went awry, um, <laughs> according to the facts, and we'll talk about its facts, the CIA later killed both the president and Marilyn to keep them from inf- infecting the country. Um, and then Capote's own longevity that he didn't really talk about. He just said Capote gave both of them AIDS playing touch football. And then the CIA had to kill uh, Kennedy and Monroe. We're getting real deep with these touches here in this football game. <laughs> it's this <laughs> most absurd, it's ludicrous. It's the whole thing. is just fucking, it's like, really? You didn't like Truman Capote. The video I was watching uh, when you guys woke me up texting this afternoon, uh, they were, convinced that an fbi agent or a secret service agent accidentally uh was the one that did the fatal shot to kennedy because he uh picked up his uh his uh ar-15 or m16 or whatever and the car jerked and he pulled the trigger and that was like the fatal shot to kennedy was from him there are so um, and this guy kennedy. was crying on the interview over it it was uh pretty wild it was on tubi i don't know it's in your brain now because you fell asleep watching that stuff. <laughs> no, dude, it's so to be pilled, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. Like I was deep state last week with the apocalypse and NFTs, and there it is. Now, now I'm convinced that you know Kennedy was assassinated by a Secret Service agent accidentally. that accidentally, uh, you know, 
pull the trigger. Charlie, Charlie's just asking questions, guys. Charlie's just asking <laughs> just questions. Asking questions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he, um, <laughs> this disciplinary complaint um, would, would do it for him. He would continue filing federal lawsuits until he finally agreed in 1989 to give up his license as a result of that 1985 complaint. So he is no longer allowed to practice law in Kansas or in federal court. Small um, win for the good guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So by the end of his law career, he had filed um, almost 400 suits. Um, it didn't seem. That is an insane number, by the way. I don't want that to like go over anybody's head. That's yeah. a ridiculous number. That's it's, it's insane. It's truly insane. So now um, you would think that he'd be worried because this is as one of his revenue streams is over with. But don't worry, dear listener, because he's invented another one and it's basically grifting on his children again. Now that his children were grown, they were required to tithe 30% of their income to him and the church. Also a ridiculous amount of money. That is insane. I mean, like in most mainstream churches, it's 10%, 10%, 30% is insane. Well, 10% is also insane. Yeah. But (laughs) that's my personal opinion. Tax the churches. So now he's making money off of his children yet again. And if this isn't a grift behavior, I don't know what is tithing is grifting, but a 30% tithe off of your own children, man, this guy, fuck him. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. It's supposed to love your children more than anything on the, on the ah, fucking, uh, no, yeah. your children are like, like I said, it, it really feels like they're his property yeah. and that therefore he can make money off of his property. Just like I don't want to throw the S word around, but essentially they're slaves to him. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Fucking, I mean, this it's is ridiculous. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like he treats his kids like they're real estate and that is something that you own and you can make money off of. Right. And that, that it's your right as a, as a property owner to make money off of, of this, but it's not, it's fucking humans. It's children who are now adults and they're still under his spell. One thing I'll throw in um, is that I think this is all kind of funny in an ironic way because Phelps hated televangelists, especially friend of the show, Joel Osteen. He fucking <laughs> hated Joel Osteen. And in his, his own words, this is a quote from Fred Phelps. He said, I don't think you ought to make money off of scripture. And I want to go, are you fucking kidding me? Like you have a church because you want to make money. Right, right. That's it. <laughs> you have children because you want to have you had money. 13 children because you wanted to make money and you knew someone were probably going to leave. Um, so you were like, let me just have enough that I could hedge my bets. Right. And that's what he did. So hypocrite, I would say. You can also very easily put that into to, to label onto him. So not all of the kids stuck around. Uh, in total, four of the Phelps children left the church, and they all left pretty early on. Um, later on, several grandchildren also got the fuck out of there. Now, I did a little math, and let's talk about that 30% tithing, right? right. So let's say that most of them are married, not all. Most of them are lawyers, but not all. So let's just say each family has a combined income of $150,000 a year. That's, I think, on the low that's, end. So that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but not for lawyers and for married couples, oh, yeah. right? This is a household. This is not just an individual person, right? So this is saying that the two people in the marriage are making $75,000, which I think is low for a lawyer. It, okay. it is just even in Kansas. I mean, I think they're probably making more money than that. Okay. So with that $150,000 per family, right? There's That means that each family is tithing $45,000 a year. Good God, dude. And That's how take, much I make a year. And you take that, <laughs> yes. 
And you take that number times the nine families that are remaining. This means that Phelps is bringing in $405,000 a year on just his family. Jesus Christ. So this dude isn't hurt for cash. No, no, not at all. That's it's insane. Um, and like I said, there's nine families. There's a couple of like kind of rando families that enter the fray at certain points, but there is plenty of members in this family that still support Phelps and participate in what Westboro Baptist church is most known for, which we talked about getting picketing. Um, and as promised, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I just think that that's the, that's the part of the story that most people know. But in 1990, he launched a bid for the governor of Kansas. Oh, boy. And um, he lost. He did. <laughs> he lost in the Democratic primary, having won only 6.7% of the vote. So he got, he got blown out of the water in just the primaries. Um, around that time. The primaries are the only thing blowing him. <laughs> I don't know. He got 13 ass kids and there might be oh, a lot yeah. more action going oh, on. Come that on. That was straight missionary. He's not doing anything special. You know, you know, he's those well, were he's, purpose fucks. Those weren't for enjoyment. I, I read some shit. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he tormented and beat the shit out of his wife. And just, I think there were, I, I honestly think there were a lot of instances of marital rape that happened in that household. Uh, which Ugh, yikes i don't want to get into uh so i left it out thanks for bringing it in dalton <laughs> no, don't always you can count on dalton to bring oh, no no oh, come not. brain dalton <laughs> what are you thinking about coming <laughs> <laughs> so um so in, around this time he he loses the governor bid uh, he began complaining to the city about homosexual activity in a nearby park called Gage Park. Um, now, can't spell Gage without the gaze. <laughs> she can. <laughs> Don't spell Gage. G A Y G E. Gage. Gage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when I say complaining to the city, I want to be very specific about one of the things that Fred Phelps is kind of famous, infamous for. He used a fax machine as a weapon. And so yeah. this is a quote from, I, this is, I, I mean, in one part, this is like my favorite thing he did because it's so ridiculous. But the second, the other part of me is like the stuff that he said is so fucking vile and horrible that I don't like it at all. But he had gone to court and one on his right to fax daily to almost 300 public officials, private offices, and the media with damaging and embarrassing information from the private lives of his opponents. Most of it false, wild, and unsubstantiated. One city councilwoman was called a Jezebelian switch-hitting whore who had sex with several men at once. She <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> Please, I vote for her. That, yeah, put that in your. You should put that in your your Twitter profile, Dalton. Jezebelian <laughs> switch hitting whore and host of if you catch my Griff podcast. <laughs> Um, a police officer saw his name faxed all over town as a child molester, one who had lured young boys to a park outside of the city and had sex with them in his patrol car. Despite his daughter Margie's assertions that Phelps had the evidence to prove such accusations, 
big time, she said. Uh, no such proof ever emerged. So go figure. This is something that they did daily. He would get and he would fax all of these numbers that he had on some sort of list and just send him all this insane stuff, including what I referred to earlier is that Truman Capote gave JFK and Marilyn Monroe AIDS in a touch football um, game. Just that looking back, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Yeah. So he just kind of like whatever came on his mind or whatever he wanted to get out or whoever he was fighting against at that time, he would just send these faxes out to everybody. So I mean, you got to realize that like Topeka is not that big. Everybody knew who he was way before the picketing started. Like they all, he was like their town crazy, but um, you know, they wanted to avoid any conflict with him because he would sue you. Um, And that's just a pain in the ass for everybody. So um since the city's not responding to his insane ramblings about, you know, homosexuals having sex in this park, he decides to take matters into his own hands and starts the great gauge park decency drive. Um, this is the first time the church pickets and naturally it's against gay people because he does not like them. Um, and they're, you know, supposedly having sex in the park. There's no evidence of this. The police don't respond to it. Um, but they took their little signs this is before they had a really good slogan or the slogan that they have now. It's not good. Um, but their slogan at the time uh, was on these flyers that they circulated. And it was called Gage Park Sodomite Rat's Nest. Which just, just, just doesn't roll off the tongue. No, no, no. <laughs> which makes me think he's not very good at marketing. And probably one of his kids came up with their their current, right. you know, uh, little catchphrase. It's a good yeah. catchphrase. That's what it is. Um what 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 year is this? Nineteen ninety one. Okay, nineteen ninety one. It's still very. Uh, I don't want to say it's still very not well uh, received to be a gay man in nineteen ninety one, right? Oh, for out without I, yeah. I just I cannot imagine. You're in like a, a main um, era of the um, AIDS epidemic. Yep. Right. I mean, that's yeah. There's a lot going on there, and especially that, yeah. in Kansas, I can't imagine two dudes just like openly butt fucking in a park right <laughs> right you yeah. can't imagine that well it's ridiculous I mean, to even it, think about i don't know if it happened at gauge park but it definitely happened in parks like there were places for people to meet up that were safe and you know at night that like central park there's the brambles which was infamous for for guys hooking up in there but it, i mean it was because you had to keep it down low because it you know it was it was shunned upon it was illegal in a lot of places yeah but um, he's making it sound like dudes are just oh, yeah, like, like it's hooking organized. up in broad daylight right, right. well that's because that's his nature. He's inflammatory, you know, right. and this is also like, you got to think the AIDS epidemic didn't break out until 1981. This is only 10 years later. Right. So you still have like, uh, not even like a generation, you still have a generation of gay men that are just gone, you know, as a result right. of this. So, and, and it didn't get a lot of media attention for a long time. Um, Wait, 19- so when did, I think when you're going to ask- JFK die. AIDS wasn't even a thing. <laughs> how, did he, how did fucking what's his face give Truman Capote give it to fucking all that people if, if it didn't even exist? It was just, the gays. <laughs> I mean, there's people that still think JFK Jr. and JFK Sr. is still alive. Right. So I mean, there's there, I don't know. It's one of those things. But I, I I what I did want to point out is 1991 was a huge year for HIV and AIDS. In that, that's the year that Magic Johnson came out and said that he was HIV positive. And that moment, I mean, I could say snarky, I'd say, of course, it would take a straight man getting HIV to suddenly make this a serious topic. But I remember right. I was a kid and 
I mean, like all of this attention, there was all of these AIDS charities and HIV organizations. People were talking about it. It suddenly started finding its way. Well, dude into, is a superstar, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's, yeah. He's, he, and he has to retire at like the peak of his game because he has HIV in the league. You know, like he's not well at first. I mean, he's been living with it for over 30 years now, but it was a big moment. So, I mean, it was definitely in the spotlight. And now you got this insane preacher going, well, this is what I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grift off of this, you know, like leech off of this media attention for my own needs. Or for my it own. also goes, it goes back to look at like how like minorities are received in the eyes of like our government, right? If it's like anything happening to like, you know, black people, uh, prostitutes gay people like it's not going to be recognized it's right. pretty much in the eyes of the government is victimless but then you get the straight celebrity millionaire superstar he all of a sudden gets aids so like oh fuck we gotta do something about this and yeah. it's like it's like where the fuck were you <laughs> you know well, even with reagan reagan refused to recognize aids he refused to say it in any of his it, it, he also refused um he told the CDC they didn't need to look into it. I mean, it was he was really, really bigoted on this, and he gets a lot of hate from it until his very good friend, you know, because Ronald Reagan was an actor, his friend Rock Hudson, who was a gay man, closeted gay man, contracted AIDS and got very sick. And then suddenly it hit close enough to home where Reagan started talking about it. But had that not happened, I mean, history could have been very, very different with his just refusal to acknowledge this or spend money um, helping fight this. And, you know, for as terrible as she is, I think that also had a lot to do with Nancy Reagan going, listen, this is your friend. You've known him your entire life. You guys have been in movies together. You knew he was a gay man because it was a very open secret. And now he has this disease. And yeah, so, so, I mean, he, Nancy yeah. Reagan. Yeah, sloppy toppy Nancy Reagan. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it just it's it is it's a really unfortunate thing that that happened. Um, but that's the way the cookie crumbled in this case. Um, so he's he's stirring up all this publicity, and he decides, 1992, I'm going to try my hand again at politics. Jeez, so he this this time he decides to run for the u.s senate every time he runs it gets bigger the office just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time that he tries right. this again he's trying to fail upwards he's the yep. gabe sapolsky of politics <laughs> Sorry, he blocked i was gonna me. say the kevin smith of politics but all right <laughs> more people are gonna know who kevin smith is than gabe sapolsky yeah uh, yeah yeah so <laughs> We'll go this, with the Kevin Smith of politics. <laughs> plus, plus Kevin Smith openly says he failed upwards. So it's, I don't feel like it's a knock against him because he said it himself. So. Right. <laughs> um, so 1992, United States Senate. And despite calling his opponent a bull dyke, um, he managed to gain almost 31% of the vote in the Democratic primary. Yikes. That's terrifying. That's fucking, that's not long ago. No. Oh, no. 1982, man. 30% in the primary. He would obviously lose the primary, and she would go on to get her just ass handed to her by Bob Dole, of all people. <laughs> but that would have been, in terms of a debate, <laughs> if I could see Fred Phelps and Bob Dole debate, I mean, good night. I'd be so happy. I can't even imagine that the sheer lunacy that would have come out of that kind of a debate <laughs> and all on the Phelps side 
I think he oh, just yeah. would befuddle Dole so much that he just wouldn't be able to just answer anything. He'd be all over the place. He'd, he'd treat him like he was a hostile witness again. He'd be like, just, what do you think about that boy you had sex with? What, <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> what is this man talking about? <laughs> Bob Dole never had sex with he any had boy. Sex with seven boys. Because yeah, I don't know if you remember, you're probably too young to remember who Bob Dole was, but he used to talk in the third person when he was running for president. He'd be like, Bob Dole oh, that rules. <laughs> I would vote for that man in a heartbeat. I would <laughs> running joke through like middle school where i used to like say stuff about bob dole just because i remember that like <laughs> him being uh running for president and shit and oh man just bringing back bob memories dole, he died. didn't he die just recently uh i think uh, yeah i think he did recently pass like this away. Year, or last year um yeah december of 2021 just recently yeah there you go bob dole rest in peace dog um <laughs> so it's I, I I hate the idea that like he actually gained popularity as a result of picketing, uh, right, right, you know, right, gay men in a park, right. And it's not long after this that they started to picket the funerals of AIDS victims. So this is when he he spreads it, and they this they is sort the, of, like the major like fucking yeah. point that like that makes me hate him, like hate that church as like how oh, dare yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> how fucking like, dare you. You have grieving and, 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 you know, this has been an already a bummer of an episode, but you also have so many people that have been disowned by their families. So many gay men that die of AIDS that as it is, there's not, they, they may have friends, but a lot of them don't have their families. They I know families people just, like in my personal life that won't come out because of what their family will think of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's sad. It's heartbreaking because it's like, you know, so you've got a funeral for someone who died of AIDS. Their, their parents are going to come. Their family's not coming. They have a handful of friends. And then these fucking weirdos show up with these awful signs. And just, it's like, it's so unnecessarily inflammatory and and it's all for the attention that they get which i think is you know i know you're saying earlier about how there were couples kissing in front of them you know if you don't give them oxygen that's when they go away right just fucking right. ignore them don't just walk past them and don't even look at them that would be i mean that's my would be my strategy i've never encountered these wackos in the wild and i would actually maybe respond differently if i saw it in front of me because i could i could safely say from my chair in brooklyn that i'm like I would just ignore these. I mean, they might get to me to the point where I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, let's, let's, <laughs> uh, so I don't know how I would respond, but I just think in, in general, when they crave the attention so much, the best way to, 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 you know, deescalate that situation is just to keep on going do your oh, thing. But it's so hard not to. God, how know, the three of I us know. ever encountered them. Oh man. It's, yeah. They're such easy targets. So that's, that's the problem, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I the think, three of us would just feed on each other to the point where like some shit would happen. Or we just <laughs> rev Dalton up. <laughs> I'm, pretty right. sure, I'm pretty sure I'd make out with Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that tongue, boy. <laughs> oh no, I've I've really muddied the waters of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, the undercover name of this show is Two Bears One Cub. So yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> Not to be confused with two bears, one cup. I just want to be. And, that, and that's the name of the episode. <laughs> two bears, one cup. <laughs> um, maybe that's a shirt, like two bears holding a cup, both of them, like one each, one paw each on it. Yes. The, the back to what we what I was going to tell you before we jump back in. I have so many fun shirt ideas. Like I can't wait to, to get the store going with shirt ideas. Two, two bears stuff. holding a cub like uh, like a little baby bear cub that's a good one <laughs> it's like like front pocket print and then like on the back like a big one 
Two bears, one cub. Um, All right, what were we saying? I don't know anymore. <laughs> oh, so I, I think one of the things that gets sort of glossed over in this whole thing with the picketing is this is also like another very controlling way that Phelps keeps his flock together. What I don't think a lot of people recognize is that by participating in these like group activities, which is like making the signs and traveling together, then protesting, you're actually growing stronger as a unit, like having a common cause. And this is the only cause that Westboro Baptist Church has really had other than to make Fred Phelps a lot of money is that now we have a common enemy, right? It's us against the world. And that's a very, that like hardens your beliefs and hardens the the group think of this place. And so I think it's, I I think it's, it's primarily to get all these headlines and get this media attention. And I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, but doing this, I think also keeps his, his little group together um, and really doubles down on, you know, the the community and the church. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're traveling together all the time. Of course, you're going to like, Forming as brotherhood, right? Right, and that's just that's just the way it goes. And you're doing activities like making the signs, and you have the kids, and they're like painting, and all these fun. fun arts and crafts. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you know, it, it's just yeah, that's it. They, like he doesn't have to abuse them anymore. He he's got them all participating in this common cause that they all believe in, and they do. Like and, the and Partridge Family, but worse. Right, <laughs> Partridge <laughs> Family from hell. <laughs> hello world is a song that we're singing and then they start using slurs um (laughs) it was really off key that's embarrassing um so yeah they it's it's just it's uh it's really gross and upsetting and 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 they really do believe this stuff is what was going to come back to because they're actually ex-members of the church that was going to be one of my that was going to be one of my questions like do they really believe this or they're just saying that because their dad wants them to so they, I did see, watched a couple of specials, like a couple of documentaries on this. And one of them was an interview with two of the grandkids that had left the church. Um, the, the, the parents were still in the church and they just go, grew up and they were like, this is not okay. And they left, but they also right. said, it's still weird for us to see gay people in public. Like we still have, when you see them, there's like this immediate like gut reaction of like, ooh, or that's wrong. It's just, it comes down to like, I hate when people say this. So no, it's fucking, it's weird. But there is a like certain merit to like when you're raised like that, you know, you have yeah. all this like hate instilled in you at this young age. It just takes a lot to shake that. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and I thought that was actually really big of them to admit to, you know, they're right. like, we have to, we have, that's our initial thought and we have to work to correct that because i think that that's true of a lot of things i think that you know i I think that a lot i think almost everybody has bad thoughts go through their brain at any given time like you can have things that if you said out loud you know would just be horrifying and and it's just because our brains are weird and that's just a function of them the difference is is actually saying them or not saying them right like you you make a choice whether or not you say them or don't say them and and i think that's that's the difference and that's that's what growing up is, is like knowing, Hey, if I say this, it's going to hurt people's feelings. And I don't think that's a good thing. And I don't gain anything as a result of that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah, I thought that, but I really thought that was telling that they were like, we still have these feelings, but we know that they're, that they're not, they're the not correct. Is wanting to sit down and listen and educate yourself and try to correct these actions right? and leaving the church. I mean, yeah. that was a, that's a big, that's a really traumatic step. Um, so yeah, so in 2005, the church pivoted 
their their protests. And this is when they started protesting the funerals of soldiers who fought in Iraq, which is awesome. Great. Just love it. Just like, I mean, it's no secret that I don't I don't have much love for the military, but at the same time, like these families just like lost somebody that they yeah. loved. Right. It's evil. It's fucking evil. <laughs> you, you, you can have it's fucking awful. Yeah. Like you're, you're at this funeral trying to get you're at this funeral trying to get closure for your like the like the last memory of your loved one is going to be somebody picketing their funeral and saying that they hated them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 The logic behind the soldiers, according to the church, is that fighting for America, you were supporting gay people since there's not a law prohibiting gay people from living in the United States. What kind of back ass word logic is that? Yes. yes. And all of their logic is kind of like this. Like if you if you break huh? down their beliefs. Yeah, exactly. By supporting America, you support gay people. And so we should protest. Motherfuckers, funerals. you live in America. Get the fuck out. <laughs> if we don't like it, get out. Seriously, get the fuck out. Go and, live on a fucking island in the ocean. I mean, essentially, they can't do that, because They just want money. They don't really yeah. believe that. They, they just want the money. Um, and, and this is the thing that they quote a lot. They quote um, Leviticus um, chapter 18, verse 22, which in the, the King James Bible says, thou shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. So that's that's the abomination. They, they say that everybody who yeah. preaches against this brings up Leviticus, but the things that they don't bring up conveniently are in the very next chapter of said the same book of Leviticus it says, ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Well, that doesn't sound like anything that Fred Phelps would do, right? He would never lie right. or steal or deal falsely with any of these people. Uh, it also says thou shall not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him the wages of him that is held hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. So he's saying, if you hire someone to help you, you have to pay them the same day. Well, Fred Phelps didn't pay anybody and he defrauded a lot of his neighbors in Topeka. So <laughs> you know what? Go fuck yourself. You hypocrite. Uh, another one was thou shall not hate thy brother in thine heart. Whoops. Sorry. Forgot about that. <laughs> thou shalt shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Oh yeah. I shot your fucking dog and who is literally my neighbor's dog. Problematic. <laughs> um, literally <laughs> not, not even a figure of speech. <laughs> no. It, yeah. Thou shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shall love my neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. None of what I just said applies to Fred Phelps and his church. He, his whole motivation is, is about like revenge and holding grudges against people he hates. Yeah. Um, so beyond that, just from beyond scripture, the arguments they use are usually a, a huge stretch of logic. Um, for instance, when confronted that being gay wasn't a commandment, Margie Phelps, who's the oldest of the daughters, um, responded that um, thou shall not commit adultery was a commandment and that there are married men all over the streets of America having sex with other men. Therefore, homosexuality is wrong. Okay. Yes. Well, so, kind of, like, you have to like do some serious like mind gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Somersaults to get there. So <laughs> thou shall not commit adultery, which is a commandment. Is because, because certain people cheat on their spouses. That makes all of them bad. 
all of gay men bad yes right even though there's plenty of straight people that cheat on their spouses every day oh yeah absolutely that's that's the kind of logic um even the basic tenets of the church seem to be on a really shaky foundation and i want to play a clip really quick um from a documentary that louis thoreau did for the bbc he's a very good investigative journalist and he actually managed to get a very brief interview with fred phelps while they're okay yeah hang on one second you know, I was struck by your preaching. You, you referred mainly to the Old Testament, and it was almost as though you felt we were living in a time of biblical prophecy. Was that accurate? No, it's not accurate. If you had just a little knowledge of the Bible, you would know that what you just said is stupidity in spades. I don't know how to deal with a question like that. Just, you're just too dumb. Sorry. And you're, you've got the duty to know the Bible as well as I do. Why? Because you're a human being. Because God Almighty made you, and God Almighty is going to send your ass to hell. Is it accurate to say that you regard the Westboro Baptist Church as the only church this, that's uh, giving biblical, uh, uh, that's preaching is, is according this three, to the Word of God? Is this three minutes up? No. The answer to your question is yes. No, it was five minutes. Well, but I already talked two, didn't I? So there's three left. <laughs> um, do you believe the Westboro Baptist Church and your preaching is the only preaching that is according to the Word of God as far I, as you know? I, I, asked and answered. Next question. Okay. As far as you're concerned, are the people of this church the only ones now living that, it w that will make it to the kingdom of heaven? Asked and answered. Next question. Is there something you'd like me to ask? Nope. I didn't even want to talk to you. I didn't even want to let you in. You know, isn't it an act of presumption a little bit on your part that when you don't have all the information about all the other churches to assume that you have a privileged access to grace? Oh, I know all this and know about them. How? I'm not going to keep talking on them. To you. Didn't Steve uh, Drain tell you that you wasted an opportunity and they're probably going to fire you? Well, you don't know anything about me, Pastor. Yeah, Fox. I do. I know all oh. there's no about you. You're just an evil. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go there. Okay, now this is about 15 minutes. Okay, thank you very much for your and time. It's nice to see you and, 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 and good luck to you. Okay, guys. Did you come to the This dude fucking sucks. Yeah. Such a smart ass. And, and it just def deflected every question that Thoreau had for him. Didn't answer a yeah. single thing. Like you put just a little bit of pressure, a little bit of like critical thinking on his arguments and it just crumbles. Crumples. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's an asshole. I mean, like that's, that was, he's an, I mean, that, that yeah. he's an asshole. And tell someone to their face, like you're dumb, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> you're going to hell. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah uh so that's that's kind of and i kind of went down a path on their on their like response first ever lawsuit that would be non-frivolous and me beating the shit out of you <laughs> we, we can probably find his grave and dig him up oh yeah um, i'm down <laughs> we'll look and see if that's a kansas law um, I put my we dick in kiss, his, so I, we, can, we can kiss over his grave i put my dick in his skull so it makes him gay <laughs> <laughs> oh wasn't there somebody wasn't there hold on hold on speaking of that wasn't there somebody that fucking put a curse on him like that made him gay or something <laughs> i remember hearing about this when he died like they they went and they like put a like they made him like a, some type of curse to make him gay and, and like his whole family was fucking flipping out about it <laughs> put this, the gay curse on you this guy was so wild i mean you take the most anti-lgbtq people and they like go well he's a little extreme i mean like this guy has every far left far right i mean everybody in any sort of public office has put as much distance as they can between them 
and and this fucking guy. You could put this guy from the KKK and it's like, oh, let's uh, let's ease up on that. <laughs> um, believe it or not, that was the, a joke. That was satire. Ah, no, I was but, right. Lucian Graves, the leader of the Satanic Temple, said he plans to ensure that the excommunicated Westboro Baptist leader is gay in the afterlife. Yeah, but the satanic temple are just a bunch of trolls. That's all. That's all they do. Is just troll Christians. Exactly. That's, that's but that makes that's yeah, perfect. That rules. It, 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 it does rule there. What He's were you saying, Austin? To... Go ahead, Charlie. Finish. That's what I'm gonna tell Charlie over uh, Fred Phelps' grave. Go ahead, Charlie. Finish. <laughs> how how much retain? How much over time remains in the realm for Phelps? Lucian Greaves, the leader of Satanic Temple, has plans for Fred's afterlife, like he did with Fred's mother last summer. Greaves plans to conduct a pink mass over Phelps Graves, ensuring he'll be gay in the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about um, Dalton's uh, parody situation really quickly, because in 2011, the KKK protested against the Westboro Baptist Church. Insanity. Insanity. The like- uh the Imperial Wizard at the time told CNN, it, in quotes, it's the soldier that fought and died and gave them that right to free speech. So they counter protested the Ku Klux Klan. You know, you got to be a fucking bad guy <laughs> when like the KKK and fucking like think of like the left of the left. Both agree like, all right, this fucking this dude sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the one thing that we can actually come together on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Black Panthers and the KKK decide to stage a rally against like the, the Westboro Baptist the Church. Little sli- the Venn diagram, the little sliver that's it in is. the middle. <laughs> I mean, the, the, one of the one of the big reports is like the, they call them the most hated family in America, and it's, and it's right, you know, when you get the Klan protesting against you, <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's not even parody. I mean, like all of this stuff really happened, and there's so much. Like we could talk about this for eight hours because there's so many crazy things that I had to leave out of here, but. I want to jump back in and I want to go um, in 2006. So they started protesting funerals in 2005. So a year later, um, a family of a fallen soldier who had been protested by Westboro sued the church and they won and they won. The Snyder family was awarded $10 million in damages upon appeal. um, The ruling was upheld, but the damages were reduced to 5 million. It was appealed again to the United States Supreme court. And because we can't have nice things, uh, the court actually ruled in the favor of the Phelpses, overturning the previous two decisions by a vote of eight to one. Uh, what a fucking what a joke. Yeah. So the, the, the chief justice, John Roberts, wrote the majority and he said, as a nation, we have chosen to protect even hurtful speech on public issues to ensure that we do not stifle public debate. And I will say he's right. And I think that that was the right ruling even though it makes me want to scream and like punch something. He's right. And the one guy who voted against it is the, he takes turns with um, Clarence Thomas is the absolute most batshit crazy person on the church. It's uh, uh, Samuel Alito. (laughs) He just said, this is not right. These soldiers died. He should be, you know, whatever he's, he's fucking crazy. Um, So, they were protected and it, and it really like encouraged them to keep doing this and to get bigger and bigger. What it also did was encourage them to sue local municipalities whenever they were prevented or not given a license to protest. And that's a new revenue stream for them. They sue the shit out of cities. They should sue the shit out of states and counties that in some way get in their way of protesting and they start winning settlements, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars from these local municipalities. And that's how they make their money, essentially. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, they all have professional jobs, which is surprising because you'd think in Kansas with that last name, no one would want to do business with you, but they still are, they they still have professional careers. Um, And they kind of hit their peak in 2012. I think that's like peak Westboro. Like they're still around, but it definitely doesn't have the same vitriol and then like the same momentum that it had. That's the year, as Charlie referred to earlier, uh, they wanted to protest Sandy Hook. This is right after the shootings at Sandy Hook. I, I will just say Sandy Hook brought the absolute worst of the worst out of the woodwork. For whatever oh, yeah. reason, it was that event more than anything else that it just brought up like the fucking slime from underneath the earth that, that just came out. Um, and they, they after they threatened to, to pick at the funeral of these children who were killed, which is just horrific, um, Anonymous stepped in. And they they dox them. They they released a statement first that said, we will not allow you to corrupt the minds of America with your seeds of hatred. We will not allow you to inspire aggression to the social factions which you deem inferior. We will render you obsolete. We will destroy you. We are coming. And then what did they do? They did. They doxed dozens of the members of the church. They released their names, email addresses, and phone numbers. They fucked with their website. They messed with the fax machines. Like they, it was like a full, uh, you know, offensive on there. And they called the Westboro Baptist Church. They, they their bluff, and they did not protest the Sandy Hook funerals as a result. Um, Good for them. All right. So my deal with anonymous is majority of the time they're all talk right they like they don't ever do anything like doxing them is cool messing with their fax machine is cool but in the long term what does that do like like what is it what did they do then that still affects westboro baptist now can you but okay can you imagine if it is if you are a member of this church the most hated church in the united states right and suddenly now the world has your phone number yeah, but they're not fucking dead. So why does it like what good does it do? You can change Just, your phone number the next day. Yeah, you can, but that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. That's all they do. It's listen, like listen, if all they have to do is threaten to do this stuff and people don't do it anymore, then you're winning, right? Yeah, like why do you have to like it's it's working what they're doing? Who cares if it's not actually physically doing anything? It's working. They're making people's lives miserable. And just the threat of that is enough for these people to back off of whatever shitty thing they were gonna do. So I'm Fair fine enough. with it. Like, I don't, you don't have to drop a bomb all the time. Sometimes you can just threaten to drop a bomb <laughs> <laughs> and no one's hurt as a result of that. It, it, you know, the other thing they, and they ran into anonymous a few times. And I think that they, they learned their lesson pretty quickly because a few months later um, there was a hacktivist named Aaron Schwartz who uh, died and they threatened to, I think to, they were trying to get back at anonymous because they knew that Schwartz ran tight with that group. Uh, they threatened to um, picket his funeral uh, he's really, that's a sad story, but um, they, the anonymous stepped it up again and said, no, 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 you're not going to do this. And the, again, the church backed off as a result. Um, so, you know, largely a good presence, at least in the context of this story. I liked, I liked that. Um, check. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's, that's kind of where the state of the, the, the church is now they sue whenever they can. Most places just let them go through um, Bush put through a piece of legislation for the soldiers funerals where they had to be at least 300 feet away from the funeral. Um, and that's, that's become law. Um, Obama did something that, that also changed that law just a little bit, but it make it harder for them to protest. But I will say this 2012 event with anonymous, I think really took the wind out of the sails of Fred Phelps specifically. Uh, he was, he started to get, uh, he was unwell. He, he's a health 
just dipped and he ended up dying in on March 19th of 2014. Um, yeah. Yeah. Here's <laughs> so, so really Dalton anonymous killed Fred yep. Phelps. So you, okay. you got to like them now. Do you want the twist ending? This is the twist ending. This yep. is the moment when you go, you got to be kidding me. So it turns out uh, in his last year, he got a little soft for some people in the church and was excommunicated from his own church. Yes. Yes. Give in to your, there was a, there was, there was a coup (laughs) and um, an outsider took over the church and took it away from members of the Phelps family and went about excommunicating Fred Phelps from his own church. So when he died, come on, everybody, we're going to Beaver (laughs) Island. Uh, Half of our listeners won't get that joke because nobody fucking listened to that episode. They did. They're just not the second part. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the fun part. The fun part. <laughs> so yeah, that's the story. That's the one. Well, rest in piss, Fred. Yeah. Phelps. What do you think, Grifter? Right? I mean, he's clearly a Grifter. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because sure. that was that was my biggest concern going into this. I was like, of course. I mean, I don't want to talk about Fred Phelps, but I know people know who he is, so maybe he's a good subject if he's a Grifter. And whoa, boy, I think he's more oh, yeah. than qualified. Oh yeah. Well, if there is an afterlife, I genuinely hope Fred Phelps has millions of tiny spiders crawling in his pee hole at all times, never a break. Well, maybe give him a break just so he knows what. I- is to feel normal again that shove the spiders right back in or you know i mean maybe i'm being too nice to him i probably am or that he went um to heaven and he realized that um dear margie wasn't actually his true love and it was truman capote and he's <laughs> up there playing touch football every day uh, with truman capote <laughs> but naked <laughs> <laughs> no I'd, I'd actually just rather uh, launched his his corpse into the sun um and oh, yeah, just have sure. all of the media attention that his, he's ever garnered his entire life just completely evaporated from the internet as if it didn't ever exist that would make me happy but it's never gonna happen now let me put a blanket statement at the end of this podcast uh we at if you catch my graph do not wish any physical harm on any members of the westboro baptist church Anything said during this podcast is purely satire and purely for comedy purposes only. I just, I I really hope that that Fred Phelps is just living his best gay life in the afterlife, like just throat and pecs every day and just (laughs) bathing in cum of random men and just, just doing it all. I hope he's fucking doing it all. The like Lizzie Gobbler Fred Phelps. He's just throat and girthy pecs with the veins all in them. You know, he's just fucking just the dirtiest, filthiest ones with the cheese in them. Charlie, man. Just he's fucking having a day with them. That's that's I want him to have, you know, his best afterlife. That's what he deserves. Wishing you well. so. Have you seen have you seen the uh the thumbnail image of that one porno with like is the one tiny black girl with like the five black guys around her? Right, you've seen no, it, right? I don't. I hope the that's one Fred. tiny white girl with five black guys around her on the couch. Yes, yeah, yeah. I hope that's yes. Fred Phelps in the afterlife. Yeah. What did you just call him? <laughs> yeah. Greasy guzzler. I want him. I want him to genuinely live his best afterlife. Like I hope that happens to him every day. Yeah, the glizzy gobbler. Fred that Phelps. might be the name of the episode. Yeah, glizzy gobbler. Fred. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that'll get us sued. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, you can't sue us. He's dead. Yeah. Well, he's he's got a lot of kids. Don't sue uh, us till we got a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> if any of your kids hear this, I'm glad your fucking dad's dead. 
Here we go. That's a good way to end the podcast. If we have friends, check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Super Fantastic Wrestling. Cheers. Uh, Hit My Music Pod, X Over, Sweet Stuff and Better Things. Check us out on social media. What? Got at odds again. Fuck. Sorry, Joe. At odds. Check out. <laughs> we're on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Catch Dalton. You can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Agogo, AKA Griff Daddy. You can find Charlie on Twitter at Charlie underscore Butters. And uh, that's a wrap. Uh, Fred Phelps is dead. The Wicked Witch is dead. I'm glad he's fucking dead. I hope all the members of Nope. Uh, <laughs> nice bail on that one. Wrote them girthy pecs. <laughs> yeah, I hope you get the throats on girthy pecs, Westboro. Oh, man. Stay fucking beautiful. Stay beautiful. before yesterday uh, i've talked about my wife's wreck right and how she got the oh, ticket yeah. for the no insurance and expired tag and all that well so we went to court 
the day before yesterday and before we go to court you know she's all stressed out because she's never been through this i've been through the ringer so i'm like trying to fucking you know calm her down you know i've had you know my fair share of experiences with the police but she never has so she's like you know she's stressed and she's really anxious about it and what made it worse there was when you should you expect to be able to pay a ticket online right when you get a ticket you expect to either call the fucking courthouse or be able to pay it online so she goes to the website that's on the ticket and when she enters the citation number it says on there must appear in court that fucking that stressed her out so i'm like there must be a mistake right so i was like just call the courthouse and see if there's anything you can do about it calls the courthouse and they tell her she has to appear in court and mm. i was like oh fuck that's that's weird you know anytime i've had you know the same charges i just you know pay a fine and it's over so we're researching, 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 and we're expecting about like $700 in fines, right? So I save money, save money, save money. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. There you go, Charlie. Um, 16 so, minutes in. <laughs> at least it's just a burp. It's not a fart this time. I caught the one from last week too, you sick motherfucker. I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> it was subtle, but I heard it. <laughs> so I'm saving money, you know, trying to be prepared to pay this so my wife doesn't have to go on probation or worse right so we go to the courthouse and she talks to the prosecutor and they just asked her like hey do you have insurance now she's like yes didn't ask for proof didn't ask for nothing just like hey do you have insurance she says yes he goes okay well we'll just drop the expired tag charge and we'll drop your fine for the failure to maintain insurance down to two hundred dollars so this is a $400 difference in what we expected to pay. So we're like really happy about it. Like we go to celebrate. We go to this fancy restaurant named Friends in Vadasta. Felt really out of place to begin with. But, you know, I got over it eventually. We had a few cocktails, a few fancy cocktails. Had fucking leaves in the glasses and everything. Fucking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? You just I'm not used to that. I'm just used to. I'm just used to mixing liquor, baby. This had fucking basil in it. So I drink, you drink our drinks and I get this like really, really good Cuban sandwich. And it comes to like this mojo sauce. Right. And my kid, you know, she's fucking out of the woods like me. She don't know how to act. Like she grabs this mojo sauce and just fucking throws it. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I have to go clean this up. I apologize. You know, I'm sorry. You know, she's five. You know, she's a toddler. She doesn't you know. I don't know. But anyway, no, we're real fucking. I'm tipsy off these drinks, right? We leave and we're like, let's go to Walmart, get some groceries or whatever. We go to Walmart, we're looking around. Keep in mind, I got a little bit extra money in my pocket now from saving on those fines. So we're looking around, looking around, looking around, and I see it in this case in the electronic section in the Walmart. This fucking beautiful Xbox just staring back at me and it's saying, Hey, Dalton, come get me, Dalton. You know you want to play with me, and I'm like, you're goddamn right, I do. So and weird. I go get this X, <laughs> and I go get this Xbox, and I buy it, and I've been having the time of my life with it. I'm so goddamn happy. This has been a great week, except for what happened yesterday. 